0: when you're doing the the actual efforts, just make sure that they are your own individual efforts and you're not sort of racing people or whatever. Hey podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Welcome to episode 122 of the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a Semi Pro Cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's talking about not racing during training. Hey there Semi Pros, my name is Damien Roos I'm the founder of Semi Pro Cycling home of The Semi Pro Cyclist and you can find this episode at semiprocycling.com forward slash interval basics and yes we are starting with a review today which thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody that went out and wrote a review. There was a notable increase of reviews so thank you very much for taking the time out to do that but this is the first one that was down teamwork wins races five stars by craiger 77 from the us damien your podcasts are outstanding and not just for cycling i just listened to teamwork wins races this message wasn't just for cycling it's for business in general and life thank you for another wonderful podcast my time on the trainer went by quickly and i grew mentally as well as physically thank you thank you craiger I've got to say that episode had nothing to do with me. That was all about Nick. But I really do appreciate you writing the review and I'm glad that you're getting something more than cycling out of semi-pro cycling. And like I said, there was an influx of reviews after last week's sarcastic call for more. It doesn't mean that I would like them to stop. I would love them to keep coming. So if you do like the show, I would love a review on either iTunes or Stitcher because five stars makes me go... Thank you! Thank you very much. Now, the performance probe this week. Number one, pacing the missing piece of the puzzle to high-intensity interval training. This study examined physiological and perceptual responses to high-intensity interval training using all-out and two even-paced methodologies. Fifteen trained male cyclists performed three interval sessions of three-minute efforts with three minutes of active recovery between efforts. The initial interval session was completed using all-out pacing with the following two sessions being completed with computer and athlete-controlled pacing. In a randomized and semi counterbalanced manner. Computer and athlete controlled intervals were completed at the mean power from the corresponding interval during the all out trial. So the first interval they would have done was the all-out and then it was self-paced, then it was computer-paced, then pace was controlled by the athlete. Oxygen consumption and ratings of perceived exertion were recorded during each effort. 20 minutes following each session participants completed a 4 kilometer time trial and provided a rating of perceived exertion. So what were the results? Oxygen consumption was greater during all-out and athlete-controlled compared with computer-controlled Time to maximal oxygen consumption was greater during all out compared to both even paced events, and the ratings of perceived exertion were greater after all out compared to both even paced sessions. The mean four kilometer power output was lower after all-out compared with both even-paced intervals. So their final conclusion was that distribution of pace throughout high-intensity interval training can influence perceptual and metabolic stress along with training performance and should be considered during the prescription of such training. Of course it should, pacing is important thank you very much for confirming it i guess we need the empirical evidence to support our notions so now we can confirm that pacing is important let's move on Let's move on to probe number two. It's an interview from Behind the Barriers Crosstalk. Shimano presents Crosstalk with Sven Nies, part one. It's a Sven Nies interview where he talks about his training. He does drop a little tidbit where he talks about being able to do between 460 and 470 watts over a 10-minute period on a climb. They are red-hot numbers, if you ask me. The best question that was asked in this interview was, though, pinpoint one single workout that translates best for cyclocross. Sven uses a specific cyclocross training course to know when he's ready to win big races. Each lap of this course includes a variety of elements, including explosive climbs and running. He will test on this regularly, including coming up to big races when his coach will be there yelling at him to get the best out of him. And every time he does this course well, he is riding on the limit and he knows the sensations and the heart rate to look for before he knows he's ready for big performances. And while we are speaking of limits, he mentions going too far. Too far into overtraining, but also too far into fitness. He also talks about the idea that if everything is going well, then you have gone too far too early in your training, and if that's then then you need to back off definitely wise words from one of the best ever Alrighty, let's get to the nuts and bolts and cycling interval training basics I got an email from Anthony in the US asking for a podcast like this. I'll read out a little bit of his email. It's turning winter here in the US and I'm going to buy an indoor trainer in a few weeks. I want to introduce intervals into my winter training program, but I honestly don't know where to begin. Have you ever done a show on Back to Interval Basics or a show full of intervals? I have articles and charts Of all the basic intervals, but what's the best way to introduce these into my training? I'm looking to gain force, strength this winter so I can ride faster next spring, but I also want to take regular hilly rides next year so I know I need muscular endurance efforts as well. Thank you very much for writing in, Anthony. I'm not going to exactly answer your question because... what you're talking about is more involved than just intervals. There's a lot more that goes into it so I'm just going to focus on the interval part and you'll be able to pick out the interval examples that I do and incorporate them into your training. First, let's start with a story because when I was 13, there were two standard training days that I would do. I'd either ride 42 kilometers around the lake near my house or I'd ride up the steepest hill that was in my local region. This hill happened to be about 10 minutes long and I could only manage once before having to turn back and ride 15Ks home so I could get to school in time. At the time though, I never thought of riding up a second time or probably couldn't even imagine getting up a second time. But as I progressed through my cycling career, the heel climb became my staple, especially up this climb Black Mountain. Something about the burn, the concentration of effort, needed to stay on top of the gear and on top of the effort. Sometimes Black Mountain would win, but most of the time I would feel like I conquered mountains 10 times the size. And riding up and down a hill seems like a crazy pursuit, but that's just what we do we break up the effort needed to complete an entire race so we can get through the work needed to ride harder than we thought possible. And it's not just because we don't always have a big enough or a long enough hill to ride up but because we want to hit the hill with intensity. Intensity that's hard to sustain for anything longer than 10, 12 or 15 minutes at a time. So this is the only way to do it. To spell out if you don't know, these hard efforts are called intervals and riding up hills for 10 minutes is only one small part of intervals but but as a whole, interval training is the cornerstone for successful cycling training and I use them in all of my training programs and I believe they are the most effective way to achieve great results. So why would you do them other than the reasons I've mentioned? Well, there was a review done of the scientific literature surrounding intervals and it was done in 2002 and the scientific basis for high intensity programs and maximizing performance in highly trained endurance athletes says... Increased volume for highly trained athletes does not appear to further enhance endurance performance or associated physiological variables. For athletes who are already trained, improvements in endurance can be achieved only through high intensity interval training. Intensity is the key factor in performance, not volume. Just like one of my coaches used to say, if you want to get good at the hard stuff, you have to do the hard stuff. And in other words, this means if you you want to go fast, you've got to train fast. Intervals are used amongst other things. Add variety, simulate race demands, bring on form and try to get athletes over a plateau. But there is a lot of variation. There are so many different types of ways you can use intervals, different types of intervals themselves, which really starts to give you the idea of how many types of intervals there are and how to best incorporate them into your training. To list out all the different types of intervals would take forever as well as the different scenarios in training. It would be a super epic undertaking. So to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, the possible sources of variation are which these are borrowed from Joe because they are the best way that I've seen written that describes the different parts of an interval. The first one is the interval length or the work interval. It's the intensity part of the interval. It's the main component where you have the duration and intensity and the drain is variable here because they can be done on the flat or the hills of varying grades. Corners may also be included especially for cyclists preparing for criterium style racing. Other variables are cadence and equipment such as a time trial bike if you want to get better at intensity on your time trial bike. The length of the recovery periods or the recovery interval is also important because this is the low-intensity rest periods between the work intervals. Critical here is also intensity and duration. Generally, as the intensity of the work interval increases, the intensity of the rest interval decreases with the reverse also being common. So, long relatively low work intervals are followed by short rest intervals with aerobic endurance intervals. In this case the ratio of work interval to rest interval is about four to one meaning a long work interval 20 minutes as example with a short rest interval of five minutes. A general rule is that when you're working on developing the cardiovascular aerobic endurance system rest intervals are kept short and when you're working on the nervous and muscular systems the rest intervals are kept long. Also over the course of several weeks during a particular type of interval workout it's common for the rest interval to get shorter or become slightly more intense and the reason for this is more closely to simulate the stresses of a race for which you're preparing where there are unlikely to be any low intensity long duration recoveries between hard efforts. The number of repetitions also contributes here, and the total accumulated time or distance or kilojoules of the work intervals within a single session, which Frill calls the work interval volume. And this is the best way to keep an eye on that intensity as you increase the intervals, the total intensity that you're doing, so you know that you're not increasing it too far. There are also variations for intensity in the form of speed, heart rate, power, or RPE, Every interval workout needs to precisely define one of these variables relative to the purpose of the session. You can split intervals many different ways depending on the time of the season and the exact use. I'm going to cover some basic building blocks of fitness in a periodized training plan so you have a better idea of where you would use them and what type of intervals you would do for these. So when we are talking cycling of most kinds, we're talking Aerobic endurance and aerobic endurance intervals definitely are the cornerstone or should be the cornerstone of any solid training program. The classic threshold intervals, these are intended to improve your ability to use oxygen to produce movement. When aerobic endurance is improving, many things are occurring, such as the increase of stroke volume aerobic enzymes, mitochondria, and capillarization, to name but a few. But there are many ways to do aerobic endurance intervals, and here is just one variation. It's called the crisscross threshold. The workout duration is seven minutes, but it's mixed up where you have two minutes at 105% of threshold, one minute at 80 to 85% of threshold, then you go back to two minutes at 105% of threshold, one minute at 80 to 85% of threshold, and then finish up with a lung-busting one minute at 105.00 percent of threshold the workout intensity it's floating around zone three and four the rest interval duration is five minutes the rest interval intensity is zone two power so dropping down to endurance power the work interval volume try and repeat this three to five times for a total of 36 to 60 minutes plus your warm-up and cool down you would do these in the late base periods and early builds continuing through builds you would try and keep some type of aerobic interval in your training plan for the entire season. The second is speed skills sessions, and these are used to improve efficiency by improving movement skills. And this usually involves doing drills to refine or learn a technique. A typical cycling drill are uh, wind ups, increasing the pedaling cadence in a low gear to a max level for a few seconds every few minutes while relaxing the body. The workout interval duration is ten to twenty seconds. The work interval duration is ten to twenty seconds. The work intensity it's very low because the gear is very low, and you're just trying to make sure you can get the adaptions while you're moving at a low rpm the rest interval is 90 to 120 seconds and the rest interval intensity is very easy we're talking zone one just easy spinning on the bike the work interval volume is very low as well two to six minutes because if at any time the technique is compromised then you really need to stop and go home or do some other type of workout You want to do these early on in a base period when time is less important. They're not really working any system too much. You can see by having a a work interval volume of two to six minutes, you're not really stressing the system too much. It is all about that technique and then how that transfers when you start loading that up. Another important one is strength endurance, and this is the type of workout that prepares you for road racing or any type of racing where it's fast and you have a moving peloton or steady climbing. It also involves long work intervals of 6 to 12 minutes at slightly below anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold or FTP with a short rest interval of about a fourth of the work interval. So the work interval zone would be around 3 to 4. The work interval duration is is, like I said, 6 to 12 minutes. The work interval intensity is, is zone 3 to 4. The rest interval duration, 90 seconds to 3 minutes, about 4 to 1. And the rest interval intensity is zone 1. When we think about the work interval volume, because you are touching that threshold area, a threshold FTP is what you can do for 60 minutes. So the workout itself is going to go from 20 to 60 minutes. You might be able to try to push over 60 minutes if you've been working at a percentage under your FTP, but you should be at that threshold. So then you don't have much more than 60 minutes in you. The next one is anaerobic endurance. And these are intervals that have been shown to boost aerobic capacity. This is VO2 max work. It's been shown to build economy and anaerobic threshold. This is an intensity that a well-trained athlete can only hold for about five to six minutes. So if you can maintain a work interval intensity for more than five or six minutes then the intensity is too low and the rest intervals are about of equal duration to the work intervals at a very low intensity usually zone one because the work interval intensity is so high. You will really only want to do this one session per week, but I know people that do a hell of a lot more, so it depends on how well you can back up from the sessions that you're doing. So the work interval duration is two to four minutes. The work interval intensity is zone five. The rest interval duration is two to four minutes, which is, that's one to one, remember, so if you're doing three minutes on, three minutes rest, and the rest interval intensity is zone one, it's chilling out spinning easily the work interval volume is only going to be 12 to 30 minutes uh, maybe 40 minutes at max but that is someone that is highly highly trained The next main area to cover is sprint power and sprint power interval workouts are primarily used in non-steady state events in which the outcomes are determined by brief maximal sprints. So this is either getting away and getting that separation or it's sprinting at the end of a race. And one such workout is to do brief all-out effort sprints on varying terrain, straightaways and outer corners. Recovery lasts for several minutes so you can get a full recovery after each sprint in order to allow for the other intervals to be done at maximal intensity. The work interval duration is 6 to 12 seconds. The work interval intensity is a max all-out effort. There is no need to look at your heart rate or power. Just go for it. The rest interval duration is 3 to 5 minutes and the rest interval intensity is a very low effort. Near total recovery is critical to this workout but you can incorporate this into higher level like endurance zone 2 or zone 3 once you are getting fitter. How many of these really should depend on how well and how consistent you can do them because if you drop below a certain level then you really need to pull the pin on the entire session. They're covering most of the basic fitness areas but to round out this, I do have seven bonus tips for doing intervals when they are in your training. And the first one is set them in advance. Your brain will start playing tricks on you when you're not in the mi- when you're in the middle of a session, and this is where a coach starts to affect your training. Not only will a coach set the training in advance, but they'll keep track of the ones you do, so you're not cutting it short. So don't be tempted to change them just mid workout because you're not feeling so good, or your brain is just playing tricks on you when it's Hurting. The second one is learn the Hunter Allen and Andy Coggan system for knowing how to optimize your intervals. Find the average from the third interval and then take the suggested percentages moving forward and if you don't hit the number within the recommended percentage, then can the workout for the day because you're not getting the training effect that you need. And remember, it's all about the intensity that you can hit and if you can't hit that intensity, then you're just wasting your time. Number three, make them a priority. In your week and in your ride, if you are short on time, cut down other parts of your ride. A warm-up and a cool-down are important But if you don't get in the actual work, the whole ride is a waste. Number four, ideally an interval training session occurs on a day when a rider is fresh, often following a recovery day. If intervals must be chained into blocks of consecutive days, work downwards in intensity. For example, day one, schedule a VO2 max interval session. Day two, schedule a threshold interval session. And on day three, a lower intensity road ride. Number five, link them to a specific goal, either a performance or an outcome goal. This is going to help you push through when the going gets tough and we all know that the going is going to get tough. So whether it's a specific part of a race or the finish of a special race or you're aiming for a specific wattage over that period, have that in your mind when you're going into the session. And the final one here, analyze Intervals don't occur in a vacuum. Compare and measure them against each other and across weeks and even seasons to see what the changes are and if you're making adaptions from season to season and from session to session. So there you go. There is a rundown of the basics of interval training. Anthony, thanks for the question. I hope that helps you with where you're at in base, moving into build, you really should start thinking about your race specificity now so you think about exactly what types of intervals that you need to do going into your last build blocks and there things like race winning intervals for crits where you're trying to get separation and then stay on threshold and sprint for the win or anything that mimics specific parts or important parts of races that you're going to be doing. So, let's get to the tech hacks and product section. And this week, it's a hack from a listener, Jono. Jono wrote in to talk about his tech hack that he's been using, and it's a good use for old smartphones. And definitely, I agree with this, because he talks about retiring an old iPhone and completely emptying it out. He has installed MotionX GPS and has... Completely filled all of the space on his phone with downloaded map titles at maximum zoom covering a huge range in all directions from his home and this means that he can use it as a dedicated GPS device mounted on the bars. I know it's not super cool or semi-pro but it is a cool idea to continue to use these because you're not going to be bugged if something happens to it or whatever which is half of the issue of having it on the bars. The other one still is the coolness issue. So if you don't want to take it outdoors then why not use your old smartphone to upload something like the new TrainerRoad iOS app which is really solid and looks great on the iPhone and just means that you don't have to have your bulky computer on some weirdo stand in front of your bike while you're trying to do a workout and it's right there in front of you. I definitely think you can think of a ton of different ways to use old smartphones when it comes to uploading them. There is some cool apps out there that you can use and the idea of emptying it and using all that extra space for optimization of the apps is a really, really smart idea. So thank you very much for the inspiration, Jono. And if anyone else has other apps that they would dump onto an old smartphone, definitely write in and I can mention it on the show. And now, let's get to that quote from the top of the show. It's Rod Ellingworth, Team Sky's race coach. He's got a really unique approach to coaching, which you can read about in his book, Project Rainbow. And a small review is, this book is about his account of the establishment of the British Cycling Academy and of the project to help Mark Cavendish win the 2011 World Championships and the 2012 Olympics Road Race. It's a look at his different methods of training, which a lot are quite controversial. It's also a look at how to manage riders as well, and his theories are definitely not mainstream. So if you're interested in a different take on coaching, I highly recommend checking out this book and that's it you have been listening to the semi-pro performance podcast remember to head over to semiprocycling.com forward slash interval basics to find any links used in this week's episode from there you can click on any coaching link on the site or visit semiprocycling.com forward slash coaching for more information on our coaching packages but till next week get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box whichever one you're into